theyeshiva.net. Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're up to page Memtes. In this moment that we're learning via Daita Tafnish Zion, 1857, 1897, sorry. 5657, 1897. We're up to page Memtes, closer to the bottom of the page. The line starts, Roya Kol Prati Hanimshal Bahamashal. Around ten lines from the bottom, Roya Kol Prati Hanimshal Bahamashal. So after explaining at length that every good communicator and teacher, in order to be effective, must restrict and curtail and limit the information and the wisdom and the inspiration and the depth to make it suitable and custom-made to the capacity, to the kalim of the recipient. And not only that, often the mashpia, the giver, the teacher, the communicator, must enclose his ideas in a marshal, conveying a parable, a story, an illustration, an allegory in order to allow the student or the child or the pupil, the disciple, to absorb the nimshal through through the marshal. All of that, tzimtzum, all of this restriction and concealment discussed is only from the perspective of the recipient, because from the perspective of the giver, of the teacher, he sees within the marshal, he sees the nimshal, because for him the marshal is born out of the nimshal, where from the, for the recipient the nimshal is born out of the marshal. It's a difference between seeing it from inside out or from outside in. So therefore the marshal never blocks, it never curtails, it never eclipses. There's no like danger that from the marshal he's not going to get to the nimshal. The whole marshal was born from the nimshal. He's never going to get stuck by the marshal. He'll never see the marshal as just an external idea without any deeper, without any deeper reference because often the Gemara will have marshal or medrash, marshal ma I'll give a metaphor and tell a story of a Melech Basav Adam in Medrash, Medrash Rabbah, and all the Medrash, and this is very frequent, and also in Gemara quite a few places. A metaphor, let's give a parable. And the story finishes, and then you have to go back to the Nimshal. For the student, you hear a nice story, it could, you know, the Machanayim books, they have uh, nice children's stories, it was a good story. For the Mashpi, on the other hand, that issue is never an issue because... The marshal grew out of the nimshal. It started from inside out. And therefore, he sees within the marshal the entire nimshal. There's l'chatchile, no blockage. It's not like there's a tension, there's a paradox, there's a problem. And then he has to find it. He doesn't have to find it. The whole marshal was an outgrowth, a levush for the nimshal in order to be able to communicate it. And this is what we spoke about in the last few shayurim. He gives the example that this is true. He says that this is true about everything in the world being a marshal for a nimshal, as he gives the example of earth, with all of its properties and all of its qualities and all of its characteristics, is essentially a marshal for what's called midas hamalchus. And this means that one who sees the marshal as a nimshal doesn't see it as detached, doesn't see it as separate, but rather sees the entire physical earth as a physical incarnation of a spiritual truth. And this is true about everything in the physical world. It's nothing but a physical incarnation of a spiritual truth. A spiritual truth, as he put it, the marshal and the nimshal are really one. Just one is expressed in a spiritual way and one is expressed in a physical way. One, use, they use different language, but the message is exactly the same message, which is the concept of a marshal and a nimshal. <laughs> yeah. 
in parentheses. Vizel shemachadish koyach hagbola shabah mashpia. Shaydei shemalbish sichle balavushim vaolamis haribah etzlo inyan halikiba muchesh mamish. And this is the chiddush. This is the advantage of the power of the limitation that the mashpia has in order to dress up the idea in all of the garments and all of the concealments. Halemus. So what happens is it allows the godliness to assume a muhshizdik experience, a very real experience, because as a result of connecting and aligning the mashal with the nimshul, you can experience it in a very tangible and real way when you appreciate that the physical world in all of its dimensions is essentially a mashal. Nimtza. Shalagabi hamashpia ain kanshum halam vahester klam. Kim lagabi hamakabalu halam vahester. The result of this discussion is that Lagabe, the teacher, there was no concealment, only the Mekabal, the student, for him this may constitute a concealment. What is the concealment? That he has access only to the external aspect of the idea. Its core and essential idea remains concealed as explained. In order for the Makabal to be able to absorb it, he has to restrict and only give a ha'ara, a ray of the idea. If this gone is teaching his children or any student, Gemara, Rashi, Toysvis, Mishnayis, Chumash, anything on his level, everybody will be confused and overwhelmed. So therefore, there is a real Helam Vahestel for the Makabal, who only receives a certain fraction, a limited fraction and dimension of the ideas for the teacher who sees the full depth, even in what he is communicating, there's no concealment. But the Emes says, here we come to the next, uh, even the Mekabal, it's a step, next step, even the Mekabal, the student, it's not a real concealment. For this is actually the vehicle through which he experiences the idea. If there was no tzimtzum, if the teacher would not restrict his flow and his depth and his length and his magnitude and the breadth and not eclipse it, so there would be no access, the Makabal wouldn't receive anything. He would just be overwhelmed and shut down. Kanal, as we said earlier, Kaniskalel, Shima Mashbiya, Yamagalikalem Khakmasa, Kamashuetzla, Yumas Balbalim, Khushav Lagamri. If the teacher would have unleashed the full current of his depth, of his wisdom, as it is within his own mind. So the khushim, the intellectual capacity, the cognitive ability of the student would just be confused completely. When people get confused, they just they give up, they shut down. It's only by restricting that you can actually give. It's only by holding back that you can actually reveal. It's only by concealing that you actually express. It's through the tzimtzum of the teacher that the student can absorb the light of the seichel, the light and the awareness that is being conveyed, this means, you can't just say, for the Makabal, he's just receiving concealment. On the contrary, without the symptoms, we would get nothing. So for him, this is also a process of 
of, 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 of growth, of exploration, of uh, revelation. Ube emes, right. So, on, so till now we would think it's better than nothing. What do you want? You're saying it's a Hester. Don't say it's only a Hester. It's also the only way he has access to it. But Be'emes, the truth is, we're saying much deeper. The Chiddush was saying it was not just, it's not a, only a Hester for the Mechabal. It's, uh, it's also a Gili. We're saying even more. Even the full depth of the Seichel, which Lechayr is being concealed, which is why he could absorb it. Even this is ultimately being communicated to him. What does this mean? Gemara brings in Avedazar in the beginning of Masechet Avedazar, Dafhei, Amar Rove. Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people at the end of Parshas Kisavoy, Loinosan Hashem Lachem, Leiv Ladas, Enayim Lirois, Oznayim Lishmoya, Ad Hayoim Hazer. Hashem has not given you eyes to see. Enayim Lirois, Oznayim Lishmoya, and ears to hear. And a heart to discern, till today. When is Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to the Jewish people? He's speaking a few weeks before his passing, meaning after they were 40 years together in the desert. So the Gemara says, you learn from here, like, A person cannot stand, a person cannot appreciate, cannot master the das, the mind of his Rebbe, until after 40 years. That's why Moshe told them, we have been teaching for 40 years, but till Ada you didn't see, you didn't hear, you didn't understand. I, 40 years, 40 years, he's teaching day and night. Until 40 years. What's Pshat? What does this mean? For 40 years he doesn't understand. The diuk of the Gemara is like koyim inish adaita the rab. Of course he can understand. If he doesn't understand anything, what type of rab is it? And what type of Talmud is it? <laughs> Moshe Rabbein is talking about himself, or even according to some of us, we're talking about Hashem. After 40 years, you finally get it. Some say the Pshat Gemara is about himself. They're teaching, he's teaching them. However, you teach it, he says, Pirish daita the rabbe. Hainu pnimi is va'atzmi is kavanasa. Daita the Rebbe means you the, you get it the way it's in your Rebbe's mind. Of course you got what he said. But what you got what he said was the way he conveyed it through the restrictive channels that allowed you only to absorb that which your Kalim were ready to absorb. In other words, it was completely limited and eclipsed based on your capacity. That's what a good teacher does. A good teacher has to invest equal time to what he's not going to say at least as much to what he's going to say, maybe even more. They say that the, in Varsha, somebody once wanted a building, they built it, a built a yeshiva. Um, it was called, I think, Teres Chaim. It was named after Reb Chaim Brisker, Reb Chaim Salavecha. So the Rosh Hashiva became the son-in-law of Reb Chaim. His name was Reb Glick, 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 Glicksman, Reb Herj Glicksman. But they were first suggesting another Rosh Hashiva. So they asked the Brisker of... Reb Yitzchak Zev HaLevi Salavechik, the brisker of, the Reb Velvala brisker, about a certain candidate who was a student of his father, Reb Chaim, and he thought that he wouldn't be a good idea. So they said, why? Why 
But in bris, that's a big compliment. He knows what to say. He says, yeah, but Vesic was nishto zogir. He doesn't know what not to say. Okay. Not saying is as important as saying. Yeah. They once asked a great pianist, a one pianist asked another world-renowned pianist what his skill is, why he was such a celebrity, why he's so world-renowned. He said, I read notes as, as, as well as you, I play like you. What's the difference between you and me? And he said, the pauses. It's the pauses that make the difference. Or as Rashi would put it, litein revach ben parsha parsha. It's the space, it's the pause between the parsha. So it's not just literally you have to pause. Obviously, when you speak, you have to pause. When you play, you have to pause. When you communicate, you have to pause. It's deeper. The pause represents the koyach ha-helem, the koyach ha-tzimtzum. It's a fascinating medrash, Rabbi Parshas Kisisa. It's a very interesting medrash. It says that when Moshe came down the second time from the mountain, so he had a tremendous light radiating from his face, right? Koran Erpne Moshe, they couldn't even look at him. He had to put on a a masva, a mask, to be able to, uh, they should be able to look at him. So the Medrash Rabbah asks, where did he get this light from? Where did he get the light from? The second time. So there's different interpretations. One of them is that Hashem, the Rebbein Shalom, dictated the Sefer to him. And he was writing. Moshe was like a, a secretary, the Gemara says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Moshe Kaisef, the Gemara says, Hashem was dictating, so to speak, like you dictate to your secretary, Lahavdal, he was... He was taking notes. He finishes writing the Sefer Torah. And then he says, there was There was the ink that remained in the quill. There was the ink remained in the pen. So Moshe rubbed that ink on his forehead. And from this came the Karniahoit. Now the whole medrash is very strange. But the first question is, why was the ink left over in the kolmosa, in the pen, in the quill? Hashem could have estimated how much ink would be needed. I understand, I put extra ink, I'm not sure how much I'm going to need. But he could have asked, he certainly knew how much mm-hmm. ink. So one of the explanations is, is, there's what is said, and there's what is not said. What is not said, in many ways, is much deeper than what is said. There's the ink that you hold back. There's the ink in the pen. The ink in the pen, that would be called, Pnimiyiz Va'atzmiyiz Kavanasseh. Right. The pauses, the hefsik, the absence, is what allows the student to absorb. If the teacher gives everything the way it is in him, there's just a shutdown. There's no recognition of the individuality of the other. A student means you create a real person, a separate entity. Somebody who's going to be able to grow and teach on his own. For this, you have to consider the identity of the person. You can't consider your own identity. What happens after 40 years? After 40 years, he says, Rabbi says, He stands, so to speak. Koyim means he stands. He gets. He assumes. The das of his rav, His, the atzmiyas, the core of what he was saying, the way it was inside of him, not only the way it could be experienced at that point from your vantage point. just like the Gemara says in Meseches Erevin, the beginning of Yud Gimel, the Gemara speaks about Reb Meir. So the Gemara says, Reb Achev, Reb Chanin has said, that Goli V'yadua, it's known, that there was nobody in the generation of Reb Meir like Reb Meir. Why then is the halacha usually not like Reb Meir? And the debates between Reb Meir and his colleagues, for example, Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda, have a lot of debates in Shas. The klal usually is halacha Reb Yehuda. There are a few exceptions. 
But generally, the halacha was not like Reb Meir. In most of the debates between Reb Meir and his colleagues, the halacha was chosen by the Sanhedrin, by the Bezdin, by the majority, like the other one. So he says, everybody, Reb Achid Gemara says, everybody knows that there's nobody like Reb Meir. But Lama, he's quoting here the end of the Maimah Chazal, I'm just giving you the whole Maimah Chazal. Why didn't they establish the halacha like him? Because the Chachamim could not stand Stand here means grasp, understand, appreciate. Soiv daite. What's that soiv daite? So that means the end of his das. What's that the end of his das? The other side of it. <laughs> There's the side of the das that comes to you. There's the other end that stays inside, the ink that stays in the pen. That which didn't come out with his galus. For the rav, it was never concealed. For the student, it was concealed, because if it wouldn't have been concealed, if the whole ink would have been unleashed, there would be no parchment left, right? The, no, 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 not Acher, no. But the Gemara says, The Gemara gives an example, the Reb Meir, basically, if something was Tome, he can explain how it's Tahir. If something is Tahir, he can explain how it's Tome. So Rashi says, they didn't know what's right, what's not right. In other words, they couldn't fully understand Reb Meir from his, from his own perspective. And it was very confusing. That, yeah. The Gemara says that he could do it. The Gemara says others distance themselves from Acher. And Reb Meir could learn from Acher because he took out the Pnimius and he discarded the, the shells, the husks. It sounds like there's a subtle point though here. It's a person who's Koimadate the Rabbi and he now gets it and he gets the Pnimius, but he doesn't get it because the Rebbe ever gave him the Gilui. The Rebbe only gave him the Hester. He's getting it through his work. Notice he's getting it You're right. with his own accounts, whatever the word will be. Because he never got anything more directly than just the Okay, you, you, the Zog's good. Let's see. He's going to distress this mamash. Rashi says... I don't know if I remember it says such a, I don't think Rashi says this verbatim. could be means the Kavanah of Rashi. The Etzem Kavanah of Reb Meir. That's the meaning. After 40 years, you don't only understand what your Rebbe said. That could be before 40 years, hopefully. You really master the das of the Rav, the etzem, the pnimius of his chachm, of his kavana, the core. The explanation in this is, the hinin is boyerle, we explained before. The Gemara says in a few places. The sugi in the beginning of Pesach and Dav Gimel. You have to teach your child, but your student, Bederech Tzara. Bederech Tzara means concisely, with brevity, without complex elaborations that confuse him. What does this mean? We explained. It doesn't just mean you give up a little vart. Bederech Tzara is a skill. It's a genius because a real mashpia within the brevity, within the concise words, he conveys in a concealed way the full depth. As the example given from Mishnah, where Mishnah is very brief, that's the function of Mishnah. The function of Mishnah is was it should be able to be retained by almost anybody because it's, it's, it was packaged in a way that is brief, concise, sharp, that's the tremendous value of learning and mastering Mishnayis. You know, 
Gemara, it never ends. It's complex and it's multi-layered. Mishnayis, you finish a Mishnah, you finish a Pedic, you finish a Masechta. It's, it's, it's much more retainable. On the other hand, we know that there could be five, ten blad Gemara, or a whole blad Gemara with a lot of details analyzing every word in the Mishnah. Because Rabbi put in, he compressed into the Mishnah the whole oimik of the Gemara. The Gemara is simply deducing, the Gemara is extracting from the Mishnah the oimik, the depth of the Kavanah. What is being revealed to the recipient is an external ray, so to speak, of the wisdom. Where does he put in the concealed message, the full message? He puts it in the meaning, within the concepts that he's conveying, and sometimes it's it's how to put it, how, the, how it was phrased, the phraseology. You use this word, you use that word, you use this sentence, you use that sentence. Like we see Taka Mishnayas. A real Mekabal. We're talking here about a real teacher and a real student. It's not so common. This Mekabal, after he receives, in other words, there's full, there's full trust also. There has to be full trust. After he receives the hashpa and it settles with him, Once the Makabal absorbs it, maybe on a superficial level, now he has that information to work with as he matures or as she matures, and grows and develops emotionally, intellectually. We're talking here about any type of ashpa. It's not necessarily, it could be ashtikul gemara, it could be ashtikul toisvus, it could be a rambam, it could be a nyin halacha, or it could be in any tchum of life. And not even chachma, also there's emotional communication, there's spiritual communication. But after he has this information, and he dissects and analyzes the idea, and he goes deeper into it, he himself will find layers and layers that were not accessible to him until he reaches it the way it was by the teacher. Before the symptom of the teacher, Kamai Kain, furthermore, similarly, he could then also see the depth within all the Mashalim that the teacher gave the way it was by the teacher. The first thing is he has to, he has to understand the Nimshal through the Mashal. From all the details and the depth of the marshal, he has to be able to extract and find what was the nimshal that was being conveyed. And finding the full depth of the nimshal, not just satisfying himself with a nice story, but really getting into the nimshal and mastering it. Oz then, once he reached that state, now... There's no disparity anymore. There's no differentiation anymore. It's not two worlds. There's no marshal that locks the nimshal and the nimshal that is hidden beneath the marshal. Once he reached the nimshal through the marshal initially, now he can go backwards. And now when he sees the marshal, he sees the nimshal and the marshal. Using the mashalom that we were talking about before, how everything in the physical world, its dimensions and properties and characteristics and sizes and even ratio, and there's no detail in the earth that is not a mashal for elikos, right? But when we see the world, we just see the mashal. We don't see the nimshal as explained in previous shirim with shirim and Yosef and Yaakov and the various mashalom that we gave. Anything you look at, it's snowing outside today, right? 
we look at it, a person senses that it's a marshal. A person senses that children love snow. You sense there's a certain energy being conveyed in the world. But what we see is snow. If you bother and you spend time learning how snow emerges, so then you see the snow and you see within it an extra layer of wisdom. In other words, you see the background of the snow. So when you'll hear the weather, they'll broadcast the weather, one person will just say, this is weather. A meteorologist might explain to you the various physical forces. The winds are coming from here, and the clouds are developing here, and the storm has started here. So now you have more background, so you could see it on a deeper layer. If you have a scientist who can explain to you the underlying forces that generate this type of weather. And the true expert will explain to you exactly how the ice crystals and the rain droplets form in the clouds as a result of earth heating up and unleashing the vapor that comes from our crust and forming into clouds which can carry, each cloud can carry the weight of water, the weight of 400 elephants. Each cloud can carry the weight of 400 elephants. You knew that? So now you know. 400 elephants, that's what this is. I don't mean baby elephants. Each cloud, 400 elephants, and then at some point it plots. <laughs> and either we enjoy a good rain or we enjoy a beautiful, a beautiful bedecked snow. And, this, and, de- and you go deeper and deeper into the science of it and physics of it. And why is it white? And when does it happen? And what's exactly the weather? And never mind the snow shapes. But what happens... If somebody from the world of Yitzira was broadcasting the weather, he would talk about the same snow, but suddenly it would be the Nimshal, not the Marshal. And somebody from Bri and somebody from Atzillus, it would also be the same weather. It's all the same weather, it's the same reality. Hashem Alekeinu, Hashem Echad. There's no hundreds and thousands and billions and trillions and sectillions of realities. It's all one reality. The question is which layer of it do you perceive? From the perspective of the nimshal, every flake of snow is the same flake, with the same shape. But it's an outer crust of an inner story, of an inner energy. And then the world becomes one, it's completely cohesive, it's completely integrated. But I, I begin with the marshal as a student, as a recipient, I begin with the marshal. And then from the marshal I can get to the nimshal, but then when I get to the nimshal, if I really master the nimshal, at some point, kayim inish adayte de rabbe, then when I look at the marshal, I don't see anything separate. I see it as an outgrowth of, of the nimshal. And, what the, the, and the great advantage is that it's b'muchash. A lakus is then something that's very real because one can see in the physical world the manifestation of the spiritual divine energy. At that moment, there is equality. There is hishtavus. There is unity between the teacher and the student. They become one. It's not anymore, I'm the giver, you're the taker. I'm on top, you're on bottom. It had to be that way because the mashpia was bringing up the makabal. But the real objective of the teacher is not to have students. The real great teachers don't want students. They want to create new teachers. They, want to, they say great leaders don't want followers. Great leaders want to create leaders. But for this, you have to be able to give the follower everything. If you say, no, 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 no some information is copyright. <laughs> because if I give it, if I spill the beans, then what's going to be left of me? <laughs> what's going to be left? Real, that's not a real mashpia. That's somebody with his own agendas. 
He's not into mashpia. He's into protecting his own maiselach. The real mashpia, the real leader, he wants to spill all the beans. Faket. The reason he didn't spill all the beans in the beginning is so that the, teacher, the student should be able to get all the beans. If he would have spilled all the beans, he would have left, been left with no beans. I'm not talking about shalom beans. <laughs> but uh, the fact that he didn't spill it out, he didn't give it out, there was diosh and ishtayr, there's the ink that remained. The ink that remained, because of that, he has access to it, and he can ultimately receive everything. This is the moment of, this is the moment of, of hishtavos. <coughs> hishtavos. Gambi yediyaz ba'asagas pinami yishakavona. You see it in the moment of Parshas Baloischa. It's one of the most. Uh, it's one of. It's a very extraordinary, dramatic moment in Chumash, where two Neviim start prophesizing with un- unauthorized, unauthorized prophets, elder than Medad, start prophesizing outside of the of the seventy elders who Moshe Rabbeinu initiated as Neviim. So Yeshua runs over to Moshe and he says, "Adoni Moshe Kloyin." Moshe, my master, you should incarcerate them. Chloe, you should put them in a keller. You should put them in prison. Why? Because they are essentially, as they say in Yiddish, they machen Shabbos fazich. They're establishing a rabbeistve. They're becoming their own people. They became prophets on their own. This is very dangerous to your authority. So Chloe, Chloe actually says two interpretations. One is put them in prison. Another interpretation which applies timelessly, is make them community leaders. And that's it. Once you become a community leader, they'll just perish on their own. It's good. Just give them cover. Just elevate them a little bit. Put them on. Make them responsible for the kehillah. And then within six months, they're done. Everybody hates them. There's Pashkvillin against them. They're the worst Jews who ever lived in the history of humanity. Because they had the poor fortune to, uh, to, to become leaders. That's what Ashley says. I didn't make it up. It means the problems existed even in Germany in the 11th century. Hatel of France. So what does Moshe tell Yeshua? He tells him these words. Are you being jealous for me? Let me tell you about me. My wish is that the entire nation of God would be prophets, that Hashem confers His Spirit on every one of them. Do you think I get worried when there are two prophets? I would like all four million Jews to be prophets. That's my agenda. That's where you see the genuine mashpia. My objective is every Jew would be a prophet. God would confer his proof. So at this moment, the Mashpia and the Makabal become one in the sense that he can also grasp the Pnimiyas HaKavana. Ela, there's still a difference. Eitzel HaMashpia B'Bchines Or Yosher. We're now going to come to two, to discover two terms, Or Yosher and Or Choyzer. Or Yosher Alevav Yud or Alevav Ches. These are well-known terms in the literature of Pnimiyas HaTayra. The, the writings of the Arizal, the writings of the Balatanya, <coughs> the writings of all Sifri Kabbalah, the Sifri Hagra, most Sifri Pnimi Satari, they have this expression from the Arizal, Ur Yashar, Ur Chayzer. Ur Yashar, Shal Mashpiyah, Bchines Ur Yashar. By the Mashpiyah, it's direct light. What do we mean? Shadayhu Yodayat Chilo Oymekanimshal, Umamshicho Yomalbisha Bemashal. The Mashpiyah starts from inside out. He starts with the Nimshal. And then he dresses it up in the Mashal. 
And that's how he gets to see godliness in a very realistic and real way by dressing it up in the marshal. By the Mechabal, it's what's called rebounding light, light that rebounds. Rebound, the rebound light, the earth that returns, so to speak. He begins with the outside, and from there he goes to the Pneumius. Our Yashar is the earth that comes from inside out, and our Chayzer is the earth that returns. It's the rebound earth, it's the returning light. From the Mata, he comes back to the Maila, rather than from the Maila going to the Mata. So it's a different process completely. From the Mashpi, he goes from the Ruchni to the Gashmi, from heaven to earth, from soul to body, from inner to outer, from the divine. It, it, he brings it into the lower, to the physical, and for the Talmud, for the Makabal, it's the other way around. It's Archeuser, he starts off with the outer, and from there he makes a journey to the inner, and each one has its advantages. Reflected light is not a good Reflected light, okay. Rebound sounds uh, more like it retains all its properties. Reflected is a little bit different. It's the earth. <laughs> it's the earth that's chayzer. It's, it's the earth that's chayzer. There's the, the, the ray of the light of the sun that hits earth, right? And then there's how it bounces off earth. In the world of sports, everybody knows when you play tennis or you play these other games, there's the initial force that unleashes the ball, right? But that doesn't create the real dynamic of the game. What creates the real dynamic of the game is the rebound. The rebound is what happens when the ball hits the resistance, right? It hits the wall and it comes back, and that unleashes a whole new type of energy that you couldn't have first seen in the beginning, yeah? Talking about muscle and nimshel, this is a muscle. <laughs> now don't get stuck in the muscle. <laughs> don't get stuck in the muscle of tennis. Come back to the nimshel. The truth is, all all of tennis is a muscle for All sports, it's a muscle for nimshel. The whole goof is a muscle for nimshel. When I look at reflection, is that it's a little bit different when it comes back because it's changed by what it hits, but rebound sounds like it's the same, but less. But that's what I'm, I gave you, the marshal that rebound is not the same. At Kedekach, that the Yoide Dover argue what is more important, the initial hit or the rebound? But the rebound could be a drop shot, too, right? So <laughs> In a chanami. You suck all the energy out of the shot. In the Chanami, that's true. So is that, is that, that's that's a good muscle. Like Sometimes is that, is that a threat to the Rebbe when when the Talmud does that? Or of course, that? he's got a rebound. Right, right. And sometimes a person doesn't doesn't do it. Sometimes you can detach the Nimshal from the Marshal completely. Basically, the idea here about this this whole Maimon is it's about sense and sensitization versus desensitization. The ability to be able to look at the world, to be able to look at your life, to be able to look at your body, to be able to look at your physical organism, to be able to look at your brain, to be able to look at every aspect of your life, even its most material and corporal reality, and sensitize yourself to the inner energy of it, to be able to see the world, the universe, beginning with the inner universe, as a muscle for a nimshal. We don't start with our Yasher, we go with our Choyzer, the light that, that comes back, that ascends. It ascends Milmata Lamaila versus Milmaila Lamata. When we call Zayuvon, from all of this we can understand 
איך שכוייך הגבולה וההסתר של המשפיע. מה שמצמצם המיילם שיכלי בדרך צורו במשולם וכדומה. This all explains to us that the entire process that we're speaking about, the capacity of limitation of the giver to conceal the seichel in brevity, he keeps on saying two things. There's derech tzara and there's meshalom. It's two separate things. Derech tzara just means it's a simplified version of the idea. When you're teaching mishnayas or chumash to a six-year-old, it's not like you're teaching it to a 30-year-old who's bucky in Tanakh and maybe in Shastan and Poiskim and in many Mepharchim, it's a different limud, even though it's true. You're teaching the six-year-old the truth of Chumash, but you're just giving the simplified version. Derech Tzara means a person, you can have a Rosh Hashiva, it's a huge, huge gone. He communicating, he's communicating a message the way that the student will be able to understand. If he would unleash everything he's thinking right now about this sugi, nobody would know what hit him. That's Derech Tzara. But he's still talking the information itself. The Hester is in quantity and quality. But you didn't transport it to another realm. A marshal means you completely changed the subject. Now we're going to tell a story. In the Derech Tzara you see there's an idea. You just don't know the full depth of the idea. The marshal is a transportation into another idea. And this, this, these, this, dual, this duality is very important. Because when we're going to talk about the Nimshal of all of this... The Nimshal, you have both elements. You have God conveying his energy, then you have God conveying his energy as a mashal. The difference is, the higher worlds are all derech tzara. It's a restriction of an intense infinity that's limited. But one could still sense that it's an idea. You're sitting at a Shia Gemara. Nobody thinks they're not sitting at a Shia Gemara. I'm just not getting the full depth of the sugya. Fine, I have to wait 40 years. A mashal, you could completely lose perspective, right? Oh, it was, a, it was a good vart, it was a good joke, it was a good story today, that's it. There's nothing more than that. That would be this world. Our world is not just that our world is also a mushroom. Mm-hmm. With a mushroom, like you said before, you could detach. I'm just emphasizing, that's why you'll see a whole time he gives two details. There's derech tzara and there's mashallah. V'kadoyme, ain't the hester amitikla. Now we understand it's not a real hester, why? She'en a master be'emes kla, not only for him, not even for the mekabel. She'a mekabel, mekabel, a'dei ha'ashpa, kol emek p'nemiz kavana sarah. A real mashpia put it all in there. Im kein ain't a hester. So it's not a concealment. I, the whole mimer, was saying it is a concealment, and that's why he has to do it in order to conceal it. And if it wouldn't be a concealment, it wouldn't work. That's true. That's why he says, e'en a master be'emes. We know that there's a hester here, but in the ultimate scheme of things, in the truth, it's not a hester. Why? Why is it not? You have to look at it differently. The real effect of the Hester is there should be Gilui. It's not to conceal, it's to reveal. I'm not looking to conceal, I'm looking to give. The Hester is a Hechitimtsa in the Gilui. The Hester is a Din in the Gilui. Sometimes people give and the giving is a din in Hester. And sometimes the Hester is a din in Gilui. In other words, are you looking for Hester? You're looking for Gilui. Sometimes you're looking for Hester Nebuch. You have to be Megala a little bit, so you're Megala. Sometimes for Kert, all you're looking is for Gilui. In order for there to be able to be Gilui, you need the Hester. In other words, the Hester is a Hechitimtza of the Gilui. It's a din in the Gilui. It's a method of Gilui. The Mele don't even look at it as Hester. The whole union of Hester is Gilui on two levels. The Hester right now allows him to get what he could get, and it allows him later to get everything through the Hester. 
כי בלעדי ההסתר, היינו כשהיה מגלס השכל כמו שהוא אצלנו. What would be the alternative? Giving everything. היה מזבלבל גם רכושי המקבל, his חושים would be confused, ולא היה מקבל כלל, אב גם חיצוני השכל, he would get nothing. Certainly he wouldn't get the ultimate truth, he would get nothing. Right now at least he gets a tremendous amount. Plus, you contained, you gave him something that if he holds on to it and works with it, he'll be able to reach the Oymet Pnimi Yisachavon of the Rav. What's the summation of all of this? When we speak about the concealment of the mashpia, even though it's true, but it's not a hester amitikla. It's true, meaning it does conceal, but that's not called a hester for real. It's essentially only a process of revelation. For the process of revelation to be achieved, it must go through this restriction, this concealment, simply to reveal. So it's Adirab. If he wouldn't be master, he would be master. If he would be Megala, that would be the Hester. Because, he's being Mag- because he wants to be Megala, that's why he's being master. If he would have wanted to conceal, then he would have revealed. He wants to reveal. That's why he's concealing. So it's more than Gilu Lashem Hester. It's not really Gilu Lashem Hester. It's Gilu which, which, yes. which is Gilu. Yes. Or to put it differently, once again, it's the difference of how the teacher sees it and how the student sees it. I may see it as Hester, but that's just a marshal. <laughs> what is the Hester from the teacher's perspective? Kulay Gilui. It's just a process. If I would see it as the full revelation, it wouldn't, it wouldn't do its work. So it has to be concealed, so I should be able to receive it. But from the teacher's perspective, is there any concealment here? No. The whole concealment is only for the purpose of revelation, and the concealment itself is revelation. That's its whole entity, that's its whole identity. Now when we could translate this into life, this becomes a, this can create a paradigm shift, it becomes a game, game changer. And our person sees all of the concealments in his life. Because every life is filled with concealments. Every life is filled with blockages. Blockages of things that are not flowing. There's two stories here. There's the story the way it is from the outside in, and there's the story the way it is from the inside out. And from the inside out, it's not a Hester. It's in order for the Gilui to be able to be absorbed within the person, as we'll see. So therefore... His objective is that the deepest seichel of the mashpia should come down into a much lower place. It's easy not to give. He could keep it within himself. But he wants to bring it down to a lower place. This is ultimately driven by love. He wants to bring it to the person who's in a different world. He should also comprehend it. He doesn't want him to get the superficial stuff. He wants him to get all of it. And the whole Hester is really another word for Gilui. For the Gilui to happen, it goes through Hester. Hester is simply the external form that carries within it all of the revelation of the Mashpia to the Mechabah. This is all the marshal.
We'll get to the Nimshalim Ritz Hashem tomorrow. Uh, just, just, these words here just seem to me unbelievable when you say the light changes. Answer something that bothers me and probably many others every day. Those words. So now I understood something. We're learning Gemara. Gemara turns the Mishnah upside down. I never saw those words. The Mishnah never said that. Where did you come to say that the Mishnah means it was some crazy case? It's not, not the words. But the point is. The words are packaged a certain way with that hele. And after 40 years, and I'm over to figure out that this is what Rabbi Yehuda Anasi had in mind when he, with his yes. two K tables to say yes. that this to is say the, the, real, whole thing. That the real thing. The Mishnah yes. gave you the mushroom yes. with that specific yes. Esther, with yes. those two K tables. Yes. That's much. Otherwise, how do, you, how do you explain to a kid? What do you mean with Kuzumir's Hakitani? You tell me stuff that's not there Yeah. In other words, the Gemara is not imposing, like people think. The Gemara manipulates the Mishnah so that it should make sense according to the Amirayim. Just like the Chazal did to Chumash. You can go back to Tereshav Iksav. What do they do to Apostle Chumash? <laughs> what they do to Apostle Chumash? With all the Yudgimu Midas, Gzair Shavis, Emenin, Lakant, Neyukana. It's all the same Nakuda. You're not manipulating the text. You're extracting, you're unleashing the full energy, the full idea that was contained in it. And it had to be contained and compressed and concealed. Because if the Mishnah would have become the Gemara, it would lose its purpose. The whole idea of the Mishnah was Derek Tzara. Yeah. So we are up to page Nun. <clears throat> We're going to continue inside. Page Nun. Yeah, page Nun. Rolling one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven lines from the bottom. Line starts. Pnimius, Atzmius, Chachmasai, Chuli. So Venimtza, the summation of everything that's been discussed till now, is that Be'emes, when you look at it from a true and wholesome perspective, when you look at it from a complete perspective, Einze Helem Vehesterklam. The concealment that we have been talking about, employed by the teacher, by the mashpia, by the mentor, by the mentor, to influence his student, even though he explained that he has to curtail and restrict and limit and mitigate and compromise and dilute and all of the good words that represent obstruction and concealment and a blockage in order to convey the messages, the themes, the truths. If he would give the full depth of any idea, he would confuse the student rather than enlighten the student. He would overwhelm him rather than educate him. He would have him shut down rather than open up. He would drown him rather than lift him up. And he would simply not get through to him rather than have an impact and penetrate. And for this, he must conceal. He must mitigate. He must condense uh, and contract and give only a limited, what he calls here, a ray, like a ray of the sun. is only a very finite expression of the sun. 
if the entire sun would enter into any given home or room, or even too close to the planet, we know the results would be not just eating toast for breakfast, but being toast for breakfast, and even more than toast, I in the Ephes wouldn't be much of would be very edible at that point. So when you have a ray of the sun that allows us to enjoy the heat, to enjoy the light, to enjoy the luminescence, in a way that our kalim, our existences, can absorb it. So the student needs to only needs to get a ray. In addition to that, he must often employ the mushal, as we explained, the metaphor, the parable, in which which contains the wisdom. And all this is a hester, it's a concealment because it doesn't give this teacher, the student, full access, and it may completely even um, cause him to get stuck in the mushal and not come to the nimshal. Nonetheless, we explained that this is not a real concealment. Not only for the teacher, my kamashmala, of course for the teacher it's not, because he comes from inside out, as explained. But even for the student... There's no real concealment here. The entire concealment is part of the process of revelation, of giving, of communication. In order for to give, you have to block. If not, you won't have a student anymore. In order to bring this truth to a lower place, to a different place, you have to channel it. You have to give it in a way that is communicated in the fashion that can be absorbed and internalized and received by the receptacle without destroying the receptacle, which causes the receptacle simply to disengage in order to protect itself. So what looks like concealment is really from a deeper perspective. Even from the student's perspective, he will realize one day is only the objective of revelation, of gilui, of communication, of the fact that I want to bring this to him. And therefore I have to go through this process of appreciating who he is or who she is, and then channeling the wisdom in a way that a trickle of it, it can trickle down into his vessel and he can absorb it. Furthermore, it's not just this is better than nothing. Within within the brevity and within the concise message, a real teacher contained everything, all the depth. It may take 40 years, but the student has everything because when he will get what he gets, he will be able to go back and climb back the ladder with this information by dissecting it and reach a space where he and the mashpia ultimately become the same. They both, he can grasp it the way it was in the mind of the teacher before and pre any tzimtzum. It's just his process is a different process. The mashpia comes from inside out. He comes from outside in, what he calls Ur Yashar versus Ur Chayzer. So therefore, on any level, there's no real concealment here. Kiyim Adirab. If you want to say the truth, it's the exact contrary. Adirab means to the contrary. The entire Hester is really a Gilui. It's the way of processing and transporting the air, the energy, the light, to another domain, to a lower place, from teacher to student, because he wants to he wants to share it, not because he wants to hold back. The entire holding back is only the process of revelation, 
and even the full depth is ultimately being revealed here, even though at this moment it's being concealed, because if it wouldn't be concealed, he would not have Gilu, he would not have any of it. And that's true in any 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 real communication of, of, of new ideas, of real depth, that one always has to consider what the other person can hear, not be, and, 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 and hold back accordingly, not because you want to hold back, because you want to give, and you want to give everything. And in order to give everything, you have to make sure that you give it in a way that the person can absorb it, and that's always a process. If it's to be, if it's to be a communication that really builds the person and goes into him, rather than just overwhelms him, and then it's not communication, then it's like the sun burning up the world, the planet, and then you have nothing left. It's not communication. It's not hashpa. This is the chal, this is all a marshal. <laughs> this is all a marshal about a marshal, right? <laughs> he's explaining what a marshal is, and he's giving a marshal to explain what a marshal is. So what's the marshal? The marshal is from the mashpiyah and the makab. But this whole concept is really a marshal. Now you ask, why did he have to have this marshal? So now we know why he had to have this marshal. Because without the marshal, it would be extremely difficult to understand the nimshal. Just like planet Earth is a marshal for Malchus, the Atzillus, as explained. And just like Nigla of Torah is a marshal for Nister, as we explained from the Vilnagon and from the Shalah and other Svarim, that Nigla is also a marshal for a nimshal. And really the marshal and the nimshal are the same. It's not two separate realities. One is the outer of the inner. One is the manifestation of the inner core in a physical, in a physical, uh, a physical fashion. And essentially, if you think about it, uh, we spoke about this at length. The first mime we learned was in Torah in, in uh, Torah Er Purim. And there, uh, and there he discusses, the Balatanya says something very heavy. The Gemara says that uh, in Sanhedrin, that the Pasuk says, Somebody disgraced the word of God, he'll be cut off. So the Gemara says it's talking about somebody called Mishayach Elasik Betayra, the Ene Yosek, a love Dar Shrazal, Kidvar Hashem Baza, Ikaris Tikaris. Somebody who has the ability to learn Torah and he doesn't learn. On him, the Pasuk says, as Mir and Sanhedrin, I think Tzadik Tess, that he disgraced the word of God and the soul gets cut off. The Baltan asks a very interesting question. There's no limit to this. You have a Jew, you remember, you have a Jew. He's a businessman. The Gemara in the Gemara in Sanhedrin and Hilchas Talmud you have shiurim how much a person has to learn. Right? The Gemara says there's a person who's yotze. Everyone has to learn something. Mitzvahs Talmud is on every Jew every day. But how much? So the Gemara says there's a person who's yotze perik echad shachris or perik echad arvis. He said kriya shema in the morning. He said parsha shema in the afternoon, in the evening, in the afternoon, in the evening, in the evening. Arvis was yotze Talmud Then there's the person on whom it says v'hagisa boy. And it really depends on your mind, on your capacity, on your circumstances. Today they would say on your ADD level, on your ADHD level, on your PDD level. Of course, what you're involved in, what your parnas is, 
person has a responsibility, of course, to support their family, to support themselves, support their wife, support their children. A person has to know what their capacity is. And it's very, it's a very relative issue. And it's a very personal issue, where you are in life, what you're capable of, how you use your time, and so on and so forth. So he says, how can it be that something, for one person, you're saying he's Yoytzeperik the other person, he learned hours and hours and hours, yeah? And then it was a moment he wasn't Isaac and Torah, he chorus to chorus. I understand you say Chametz on Pesach, his chorus, dam, eating dam is chorus, Chilu Shabbos is chorus, Achilles Yom Kippur is chorus, Bemezid, etc. But here it's a very relative issue. The Balatanya says, which is also a paradigm shift in how you understand chorus. And the main point he makes there, I'm not going to go into the whole Arichas there, it's also probably on the site of that Maim Chayavinish in Torah Arapurim. But uh, I'm sure it's there if anybody wants to make Chazara, but it's very consistent with all the discussions here. Because the point, a lot of this is meyusad on that, is on that Maimer, certain points about the Moshal and the Nimshal. And that is that the Neshama and Ganeidin experiences a certain light. That light, the Neshama has to be able to be capable of experiencing. Okay? The divine providence that leads a person to his or her parnasa, and therefore gives them a certain amount of time and energy to be able to learn Torah, it's not a random thing. It has to do with this type of soul. As he puts it, this type of soul, in order to be able to reach its place, it has to go through the marshal in order to get to, get to the nimshal. Because the Torah in Gan Eden is the same Torah that we learn here. Just one is in the world of Gashmi, one is in the world of Ruchni, one is the Mashal, one is the Nimshal, which in Torah it's not two separate things. In anything it's not two separate things. It's really the same. So he said if this Jew had that hour and he didn't learn that Torah, right, he chorus to chorus, his soul is getting cut off from a certain energy, from a certain place that it belongs in because it simply didn't have the Mashal to be able to get to the Nimshal. Right. Like every Einish, it's a concept of a consequence. There's a certain light that this Neshama needs and it doesn't have access to because it didn't go through the, the Moshal down here to be able to get to that Nimshal. And this is a very relative issue. So that's what the Gemara says. So this is true about everything in the world, as we said, everything in Torah. That's what the Shalah says about Dover Godland, Dover Cotton. Etc. As discussed in previous show. Now we come back to the nimshin. All of this is an example, a dogma, a marshal to understand shame avay and elikim. Shame elikim upchinus midas atzimtzum vahester. The name elikim represents the attribute of tzimtzum and hester. Tzimtzum means restriction. Hester means concealment. The function of Shema Lekim is to restrict and eclipse the energy, so to speak, from Shema Havaya, the name Yudkevavke, for one purpose. There should be able to be the emergence, Hisavas means emergence, existence, from the word Hoiva, right? Yehava, Hisavas, to be. Hoya, Hoiva, Yia, is, isness. Is higher, the is, the existence. We're able to be the emergence of the worlds, the 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 isness 
I-S hyphen N-E-S-S. The isness of the worlds. I know, I made up a word, yeah. Shayuchalias is Havasylam as Webster Kanich Kenished. So so Shema Lekim is the Midas Hatsimtsum in order to allow for his Havasylamus. That's what we said in the earlier in the Maimer. We spoke about Iris, Kalim, Havaya, Lekim, Lekim is Helam, Havaya is the Hinein is Boyalel. As we explained earlier, the Shema Havaya Makir Hagilu. The name Havaya represents. When we say Yudke Vovke, what does it represent? It represents the source of revelation, meaning Vahainu, Gilu is Bligvul, a revelation of divine energy that is infinite, like its source. The definition of Ur when we use in in uh, in in the language of Hasidus or Kabbalah, the word Ur, it's a me- again, it's a metaphor. Why do we use the word light? Because light has the properties that are very appropriate metaphor to understand a little bit the nature of the divine energy that emanates. The definition of Eir is it's Dovog B'mayr. It's always connected to the source. You can't close the window shade and ask, where did the light disappear? Where did the light disappear? When I give you information, when an artist paints a painting, even if the artist is gone, the painting remains. When light is communicated from the source, if the light is separated from the luminary, from the source, there's no light anymore. The oil is always dovak b'moyer. That's number one. Number two, it's me'ena moyer. And the two are dependent on each other. It tells you about the moyer. It reflects the source. The light of the sun is such a type of light that when you analyze it, it's reflective of its source, of the properties of its source. The light of the moon is the light of a moon. The light of a flashlight the light of a light bulb is its own unique light. And then this LED has its own unique light. Every oil reflects, may'ain means it reflects the moir. That's why we use the word oil, because the name oil, which is light, is a metaphor. And the metaphor of light is, one of its metaphors is, that it reflects its source, and it's connected to its source. In this case, the luminary is not the sun, it's infinite. So the oil is also infinite. The oil is also infinite. And by the way, I'm not going to get into this at the moment because this is not a mime so much focused on oil, even though somewhat focused on oil is. The fact is that uh, some of the greatest paradoxes in physics today we observe in light to the point that the nature of light staggers the imagination of scientists and physicists. For example, there's always the paradox, is light a particle or is light a wave? We have in the world, we have what we call particles and waves. Particle would mean if I'm throwing marbles, right, or cherries, each one is a particle. A wave is a wave of water, for example, right, which travels as a cohesive, integrated group. It's one larger entity. As if you mikveh, or when you see it in a beach, it's a wave, versus particles which are individualized. So they studied, they studied light, and it acted like a particle, which has its own way of behavior. The problem is it also acted as a wave, which has a paradoxical type of behavior. And somehow, it has a dual identity. The problem is it's a duality that's paradoxical. There's many elements in the properties of light that represent the fact that there's something very mysterious, very paradoxical. And the reason is because oil is a muscle 
for Erein Saif. And the, we explain that the marshal reflects the nimshal. So everything about the physical properties of light will be those, will be such that reflect the nimshal. The difference, of course, is because it assumes ultimately a physical incarnation, even though light is not as physical as other things. It's very, very nebulous. But self calls self, it's physical. So you're not going to have the nimshal in its full infinity. That's what the marshal is. The marshal brings it down. But in light, you could see complete paradoxical features that do not make sense rationally. And ad the studies of light, as they continue, literally stagger the imagination, including the fact that once we observe it, it collapses into one identity, and it doesn't retain its paradoxes anymore, because we can't absorb that with our eyes. So when we absorb it, when we observe it, it's either this or that, but really we prove that it's really both. Two paradoxes in the same entity. This is all about Eir. Eir is a marshal for the Eir that we're talking about, which is the Eir, which is Ein Saif. If so, all Eir is not commensurate with the universe. Is any universe. Why? The definition of a world, even the highest spiritual world, is two things. Yesh and Gvul. Yesh means it has identity, and Gvul means it has finiteness. It has parameters. Infinity and finiteness are not a match for each other. That itself one has to be able to absorb. All every universe is based on identity, which is yesh. Yesh means there's something that has an identity. And gvul, and the two are mismatched. But now we have the opposite issue. You can't bring in the world without revelation of Ein Saif. Every pu'ula, every activity, can only happen if the activating power emerges. So we have here a problem. The revelation of Ein Saif obliterates the possibility for a world. But the concealment of Eir Saif also obliterates the possibility for a world. There's no way a person, let's take in a person, can activate anything, can do any activity, without some manifestation of your koyach. You want to throw a football, right? The koyach has to leave your hand and enter into the football and express itself through that football. And depends on how strong and how intense that power is, that's how high and that's how long and that's how uh, skilled the throw will be and hopefully the catch will be. But every pu'ula comes through a hisgalus of kayach If you hold back, you can't act. Activity, any type of action of any sort is from your kayach coming out. You have to go out, not in. Retreating is basically when you want to go to sleep, you want to rest, you retreat. But when you act, the kayach has to come out. So to create a world, the Ein Saif has to come out, not stay in. You have to create a world. Where's the world coming from? But if it comes out, there can't be a world. And this is why there's something called the name Elikim. What does the name Elikim represent? It conceals, it restricts, and conceals and eclipses the Ein. For who? What do we mean? Vuhu, the Eulamists are created from Shem Avaya. But it's always 
through the channel of Elikim. Just like we spoke in the marshal of the teacher and the student. If he communicates his full brilliance and genius and depth in anything he's discussing, you have no student. You have a confused person. Here it's not only you have a confused world, you got no world. Because you have no gvul. So therefore, what's Shema Lekim? It allows Shema Vaya to be channeled in a way that the pnimius of Ayur, of Ayur, the core of the Ayur, the infinity, is concealed. And what's channeled, what comes out is an external ray of it. This is the entire concept that is a frequent theme in the entire Teres Hanister. And it's explained in Chassidus Chabad at length, the concept of Kalim of Esesphiris Datsilus. Atsilus is considered the highest world. Kalim means containers. The Ur of Ein Soif must go into the containers which give it identity. Suddenly you have a quality of Hashem called Chachma, a quality called Chesed. That's identity and it's finite. The fact that you can identify Hashem by characteristics, Rachum, Chanun, Rav, Chesed, Emes, Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gvurit, Tiferes, Akeil, Agadol, Agibar, Vahanoira, all of these qualities and characteristics is the way the indivisible and infinite and undefined Ur assumes some type of identity, which is called a keli. What's a keli? A keli is a container. The container contains the Ur and molds it according to its identity. And that's why he says, there's a division, there's something called Chachma, there's something called Chesed. Without the Kalim, what would be? The Ur would be Ein Seif and Bleak Vul, the recipient can only be something that's part of Ein Saif, not something that has a distinct identity and a distinct reality. Even the most spiritual, spiritual, spiritual identity, which has its parameters, this is I. A world means there's something that exists outside, at least in its own perception, outside of the Ein Saif. That's the key. The Kali has an Erech, it has a Shaykhis, it has a relationship with the world. Just like the teacher, who by taking his wisdom, and containing it and channeling it in a limited fashion, it's now relatable to the mind and the heart of the student. If not, there's no there's no training somebody else. There's no bringing the light to a lower place. You could sit in your own cocoon and, and do your own learning, but you can't communicate. You're not a mashpia. You're not a giver. But doesn't that make it finite? Because the Olamos, by definition, the Kalim and the Olamos are finite. So yeah. Doesn't that make the art finite? Yeah. So it's within the Kaili. The on its own is ain't safe. The the, abil- the ability the ability of the, the Kaili is what allows it to be channeled that the recipient should be able to receive it. So the physical it, world is ain't safe or it's not ain't safe? No. So you want to know if the physical world is ain't safe, is ain't safe or not ain't safe? Well, that's the whole muscle here. <laughs> is, 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 is the teacher... Is the teacher giving the student the full thing, or is he not giving him the full thing? <laughs> On one hand, it would seem he's not. We'll soon see, however, that that's only a superficial perspective. He really is. That's the that's the entire discussion here. This very question that you're asking. Yeah. Is the, the teacher and the student are both creating kailings? The student, of course, has to have the kail. If the student doesn't put in the effort, he's not going to get anything, of course. He has to show up, too. It works both ways. The teacher got to show up in his way, 
and the t- student got to show up and they went, and then they could meet. They have to give it all they got. They have to give it all they got. He opens up his kalim, and then the, stu- the teacher can fill it. But the teacher has to fill his kali. And if he doesn't fill his kali, right? If he doesn't fill his kali, then it's not going to work. He has to fill his canteen. And that's why all types of teaching, anyone here who's taught or mentoring on any level, is an excruciatingly challenging task. Because it's really, it's not just you have patience and you're a nice guy and you know the material. That's all important. But the key of being able to identifying the world of the student. Identifying it. Number one. Number two, having the, the desire to be able to go into that world. And number three, having the skill to be able to compress your knowledge in a way that can be channeled through those kalim. That's all a big avoid. It's not simple. And what you don't say, as I said, is far is equally important to what you do say. Being a parent. Huh? Being a parent. Somebody after the shear came over to me and said, "So what don't you say during the shear?" You don't say it. <laughs> he said, "I want to know what you don't say. What you don't say." You couldn't handle the conversation. <laughs> no, no, he could. He just wanted to understand. He said, "What don't you say?" If you understood, you wouldn't ask. I appreciated the question. Well, Rabbi, isn't it that even what you do say, everybody hears it differently anyway? That's also true. That's true too. Yeah. Isn't that the paradox of what you teach yourself? Yeah, yeah, it was. We'll see. Yeah. How does the Kalim have the ability to which you can't, if the R is coming the way it is? That's a good question. How can the Kali restrict Ur, which is ain't soif? How do you restrict infinity? That's a good question. Like, what's this magic trick of the Kalim to be able to... It's a very good question. We'll see. It's a good question. That's what he explained before, that the Koyach HaGbola comes also from the teacher himself. Koyach HaGvul is part of Koyach. The Avodah HaKodesh says that Koyach HaGvul is really a chilek of koyach ablikvul. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Why are we? Why are we introduce? It's a good Yeah. We introduced a hester in addition to tzimtzum. Is there? Are we defining a difference? Yeah, tzimtzum and hester. What's the name of tzimtzum and hester? Tzimtzum means restriction, like litzamtzem, to be mitzamtzem, right? The Gemara has an expression a lot of times, any yachal letzamtzim misatzimai. Letzamtzim means to, to, to be mitzamtzim, to restrict, to limit. The Medrash has an expression, simtzim shechinosoi ben shnei badei ha'aren. God compressed his divine presence between the two poles of the aren. Simtzim shechinosoi ben shnei badei ha'aren. So simtzim is like channeling something, like through a canal. You know, you have a, a, a large source of water, a large pool of water, and then you channel it through a canal the way they irrigate some of the fields, right? You channel it through a very narrow canal, and if you expand it, you're going to flood the field. You need a you need a trickle you need a trickle of water. Helem and Hester are already much more dramatic. Those are concealments. To give an example, you can have a little hole in a wall, in a prison wall, and the light of the sun comes through that hole. That light is metzumtzum, but it's not muster. It's metzumtzum. You're not getting... The full intensity is being restricted, but what you're getting is pure. Right? Helam and Hester means already it goes through transformations where the actual light is concealed. You may not even know it's that light. So it's different processes. 
like we spoke before, there's the teacher giving a trickle of information, and then there's the teacher addressing it up in a marshal. That's already concept of Helen. Or Hester. Right. She was going through Hester Panam would love to have Simpson instead of Hester Panam. Right. Simpson is a whole different experience than Hester. Ultimately, it's for the same end purpose. Yes, the same end purpose. It's just different processes in the communication. Is it a Kaylee or it's a filter? Kaylee seems more something to contain it. But what you're saying is that it's being filtered, so they're. When you say Kaylee here, we mean also a filter. Also a filter. Because when we even when we use the word Kaylee, it means it's finite. It contains it. It gives it structure. It gives it parameters. And when you're dealing with infinity, you're going to have to have a filter for that. You have to filter out the revelation of infinity. That's what every keli does. The keli, function of a keli is to contain, but also to give size, shape, like when we use molds, right? You do a mold. Uh, you're giving it definition. And that's how it's going to be accessed. When you build anything, you build, you shape a brick or anything you shape and you use a mold for it, what does that mold do? It doesn't change the material, but it shapes the material. It shapes the material. And the product is going to be affected by that shape. In other words, the product that comes from the oil after the keli is going to be affected by the shape of the keli, so to speak. The size, the shape, the color, the dimensions, the quality, the texture. Because that's the access. I can't get back to the material the way it was pre the mold. I now have it through the mold. And that's what I wanted. I wanted it in this shape. So the keli also creates the mold. It creates all of these dimensions that give it parameters and identity and restrictions and so forth. And in everything in life, as we spoke many times, is iris and kalim. There's nothing in life that exists as an oir without a keli and it's going to last. It's not going to. Everything has to take on a shape. We have dreams, and as long as the dreams are in our mind, they are very uh, big and expansive and heavenly and universal. And in your dream, you know, you can affect the world, and tomorrow you'll, you'll come out with $9 billion already by New Year's, you know. You'll, you'll, but there's only one problem. It's a, it's a dream. It's a dream, and it's a dream in your head. The Kaylee is weird. Dreams have to take on shape. Kaylee is when you come home and you share it with your wife and she nods. She's like, okay, you're on one of those, you're on one of those trips again, right? Because generally feminine energy has to do with Kalim a lot. Kalim is, is the womb. <laughs> you can give birth to children, but you have to have a womb. It's called a rechem. A rechem is the womb that carries it. And that's very cr- critical because when there's no rechem, there's no birth. That's called cool. it's 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 the, it's the ability to be able to carry the oil, and that's true in every liter, every project and experience in life. Kalim is giving it shape, and it's not fun because whenever you have to give something shape, you also have to figure out what doesn't belong in the shape. Kalim are always about rejection. This doesn't fit. This doesn't fit. This in the oil, it's all encompassing. Just like in the source, it's ain't safe. I'm just giving a marshal again. It's, I'm not talking about the nimshal, but again, we're talking about the marshal. But as always, the marshal reflects the nimshal. And Kalim give it shape. They give it a mold. And they're brutal. They're not fun. No Kalim are fun. It's the difference between the artist and the businessman. It's the difference between the dream and implementation of the dream. It's the difference between the concept and the facilitating of the concept. 
actualizing it. You know, you have a book in your mind. You want to write a book. Write it. It's not going to be easy. Any person here has ideas. A lot of people have ideas. Sit down by a computer and write it out. And you'll see. It's not going to be easy. It was so clear in your mind. It Suddenly there's a blockage. Why? Because writing is always about his slapshus eris bekelem. When you have to write something, those of you who write know what I'm talking about, the idea in your mind has a freedom to just float expansively and uninhibitedly. How are you going to put this into a paragraph? Could you put this in? You have a thousand words. Put it in. Now you have to think about it in a completely new way. Now you have to cut more than you express. Now you have to hold back. The challenge of writing is not what you're going to write. It's what you're not going to write. And what's editing? Editing is even more. This is redundant. This goes out. This doesn't belong here. Speaking, for example, doesn't require the same amount of kalim as writing. It also requires kalim. It's not like thinking. Kalim and oiris, by the way, are always relative. For example, machshava relative to dibur is what? Oiris relative to kalim, right? You know when you're daydreaming? I don't mean to wake anybody up from a daydream, but I'm sure there's two or three people who have been daydreaming the last four minutes. And over the last four minutes, you probably covered 20,000 topics. If I would ask you to say what you daydreamed during the last two, three minutes, anybody wants to volunteer? It's going to take you more than two hours. Why? Because in Oyer, you could fly around the universe. When you have to speak about it, it's much more concrete. There's Caleb. That's why people say, I have a great idea. Say it. They can't say it. Because saying it requires surgery. It's really, it's surgery. It's surgery of the idea to get it into vessels, which are words. That's speaking. Writing is even greater, Caleb. Even more, it's more brutal. Because in speaking, you could be redundant. You can employ many adjectives, and people won't think you're crazy. <clears throat> and uh, et cetera, et cetera. With, with speaking, you get away with a lot that you can't get away with right, writing. Writing is much more uh, succinct. Huh? Scrutinized, yeah. yeah. Right, compact. If not, it's not good writing. It's just sloppy. It's not acceptable. It's not, it's not going to affect what you want to affect through writing. That's how it is. So these are all mashalim. Kalim and Oedis are always relative. Yeah? Sure. So, sure. You know, we don't know what's done. So uh, the Kalim and Oedis just was got stuck in my mind about forms and content. Because that's what philosophers debate. What's, what's, is it form that invites the content or content shapes the Excellent. Form and content. Very good. Does the content shape the form or does the form shape the content right yeah so now we have these few letters Elohim and that yeah well like when we say Shem Elohim again it's a marshal <laughs> when we say Elohim well, we're not we're not accessing it when we say Elohim but it's a marshal that the name Elohim carries that energy that is the Kaya Chagvul that channels the Ein Saif into Caleb Basically, in Chassidus, is a Hasidic garment that will invite the Hasidic content, or the Hasidic content will shape us into wearing uh, black clothes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Do leaders shape their communities, or do communities shape their leaders? Do the Rebbes look like the Hasidim, or the Hasidim look like the Rebbes? <laughs> Which one comes first? Huh? Okay.
a glass of art. Yeah. Tzur Yilad Chateshi. Tzur Yilad Chateshi, yeah. Okay. On this more articles are wait, is it Yeah, Parsha's Bahar. Uh, we spoke about the Haftar of Bahar with Yirmi a Sefer Hamakna. Hashem told him to purchase. That's what you mean? During the three weeks we did it. What? You mean goal is the end of it all? The Gemara says, So the Gemara at the end of Brachas. That's And in other words, in infinity, there's never. This is it. But when is there? When is there? I mean, even in the physical world, the Medrash says, Mishyash Leimone writes a Messiah, Mishyash Leimone writes Arba Meis. So this is why he's working so hard with the whole thing with the Yamaha and everything to make sure that we should understand that it's not, that it's the same, because he wants to make it all simultaneous. Yes, ultimately we wanted to create a, show the, the, the seamless uh, oneness of it, of it all. The seamless oneness. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.